What the hell was that? That was wild. Dude, that is, if I saw that trailer at the end of 2021, that might have made my most anticipated moves of 2022 list. Dude, we drafted. wild. It, it 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 takes a turn, right? Like like that you think it's a prototypical date movie, and then halfway through you find out this dude is a cannibal. Dude. <laughs> and not only is it a cannibal, it's Sebastian Stan playing a cannibal. That's something. That was wow. And they dude, it's it's it made waves at Sun uh, I think it was Sundance. Yeah. I, I, Sundance, it was making waves, and I heard about it when I saw the trailer that Fresh was coming to Hulu. I immediately checked out what date it was going to come out, and it's next, coming sooner than expected. Yeah, it's a must month. review. It's next month. It's the same as the Batman. Same week? Yeah. It's March, March 4th. 4th. So I'll be watching the Batman maybe three times that weekend and fresh maybe twice. That looks really good. Wow. Sebastian Stan, is he, he Pam and Tommy and now this? Like, He's getting a little reckless. I don't know if like Disney can't be too happy with the way he's like going through these roles right now, but I like that. He's getting daring, you know, he might be like emerging as one of the guys now. I'm I'm excited. I I think that, you know, he's doing this thing right now, Pam and Tommy, right now he's doing this. Like this looks like it could be like a, I don't know. Like I'm going to be an actor. Like he's not just going to be like in the MCU or just like a run of the mill actor. Like he wants to, he wants to do it. Like he's not wow. just, bu- he's not just Bucky anymore. He's not Steve Rogers sidekick. He's finally coming into his own. Man, I think have this any- is great for him. He's got, and he's got an exciting future ahead of him right now. I Immediate think, future. Like, dude, like seriously, like I think this is a step towards being like a list. This was Hell huge. Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's get started with this episode so we talk about it further. <laughs> okay, okay. This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada big, bada boom. Welcome to the 77th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have a trailer roundup, and then we have our 10 best movies to watch in order to prep for The Batman, debuting on March 4th in all cinemas. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 77th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. All right, episode 77 of the Driving Podcast is here. Shout out Ray Bork. I am Dr. Rowe. I'm joined by Ricky Flex. Ricky Flex, how are we this weekend? Doing great, Doctor. I I've been watching a lot of movies, of course. I say that every pod. What do you got? I did rewatch um a couple movies that we're gonna be discussing later on in our Me too. yeah. And I don't want to spoil them now. But it was a great weekend of movies. It was a great weekend of movies. And I, I'm so excited to do this segment on most anticipated, or not most anticipated, but uh, movies to best prepare us for Matt Reeves' upcoming rendition of the Batman, getting ready to see Robert Pattinson, his, this supporting cast featuring Paul Dano, Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell, 
what is going to get us in the best mindset or prepare us best to enjoy this movie to its maximum potential. And that's what this episode's all about. And you're right. I did watch those movies. Like we usually preview what we've been uh, like churning out. We're going to save it. We're going to save it right now. But I do want to talk about Ricky Flicks, a certain series called Peacemaker. Are you, all, are you all caught up with the season? All done. Yes. All done. So I guess let's talk about Peacemaker. Dude, did you, did you enjoy the finale? Let's, uh, and let's give a spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't seen Peacemaker, okay? You can skip to later on the podcast, go about two, three minutes. Right now we're cranking out Peacemaker finale. Thoughts, Flickstar? I think this was big uh, in the DCEU. The obvious implications there at the end. Wow. They actually got Aquaman, Jason Momoa, and Ezra the Flash in the series they pulled a disney stunt they literally did what star wars has been doing uh, with these series they pulled these cameos and they actually like superman that looked like henry cavill's but obviously did not show henry cavill and wonder woman did not show gal gadot but they show these two interacting and swearing like this was with big for them these two with 2022 slate movies with yes. the flash and aquaman like the that's the that took a, took away the series. The series was great, but for me, this is saying okay, we're making a push. DCEU making a push this year is the year of DCEU, or they're gonna try it for it because they have those two movies, and they have uh, what do you call it? Uh, Black Adam. Yep. So this is the year of DCEU. They really gotta make these. They gotta these gotta be good movies, right? And because like Peacemaker was such a critically acclaimed smash. Right, over these last eight weeks. And it felt so small and uh, micro in terms of the macro DCEU. And you had all these jokes that were made about these heroes, specifically Aquaman and then Superman and Batman, to see two of these major characters in the Justice League show their faces, make an appearance and say lines. Those jokes that were made like paid off because you were getting yeah. kind of annoyed with them. And you actually see him and like Aquaman addressing this, this rumor, right? That he likes to like F fish. It finally is like, that made all the jokes worth it. You might've thought it was slamming you over the head. I'm like, now we have actual Momoa addressing, right? This joke. And then Ezra Miller chiming in, making a joke afterwards. And Ezra Miller is like the king of flash cameos. Now, whether we're going for the suit, like not the suicide squad, but suicide squad, he makes an appearance. Talk about crisis on infinite earths, like him, his flash, meaning Grant Gustin's flash from the TV series. And now we have this. So, um, I do think it's really cool that they were in the series and how he took the micro and basically Peacemaker telling them to like screw off. It showed them that they didn't need the Justice League here, but they are a part of this universe because it didn't right. feel like that up until the last episode. Yeah. And the entire series, like my, I guess my big thing with like my only real uh, issue with Peacemaker is that it's so small, right? It's mm -hmm. just John Cena's Peacemaker and then a bunch of outcasts from Amanda Waller. But they're trying to they're doing a huge project that's gonna that's arguably like world, right? Like it's like gonna affect the entire world. But why scale's huge. Yeah, but the you have outcasts doing this project huge project. Like this is like the B level assignment. Like that overarching like hanger, like looming over you while you're watching it was like my big, my only real big issue with the series. And then at the end, you're like, oh, okay, let's bring in the Justice League. But 
that literally like saved it. That saved it for me. I do want to say this reveal is also very telling to the future of the DCEU by who wasn't included in the Justice League when they showed up. We have no Batman and we have no Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Snyder fans, they're crying in the corner right now. All right. Yeah, I feel that- bad. It, it will. It's not going to happen. I think this is like the nail in the coffin. Warner Brothers is saying we don't want to have any type of, even if Reeve Fisher is not playing Cyborg, they're not going to show Cyborg in that final clip because they don't want, he's not in the future plans. Right. Also, bad news for anyone who wants to see Batman or someone replace Affleck in the future of the DCEU by not Affleck was cut out of this scene, just like a cyborg like stand in was as well. So that tells me Affleck, no chance at coming back. Right. Slim to no chance. And also we could be looking at Batgirl replacing Batman in the DCEU, just like I predicted. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Thank you very much. Like, and also, but OK, yes, but I'll say this. They had Superman in there, but no super. But uh, there's like a, obviously Superwoman, Supergirl in yep. the Flash movie. Will that be added? So two Supermen or two super people. So the there, ha- I, th- I think there will be two super people. And it'll be, I think Michael B. Jordan's. Cavill has said, or it's been rumored that Cavill will still make future appearances in the DCEU. He will not be getting his own movie anytime soon, but he has, there has been murmurs that he's going to be appearing in future dceu movies just not as the main character which i don't love obviously but at least he's going to be there in some capacity so it's just weird that batman this tells me like he might bite the dust and flash like Affleck might not just like set everything like 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 obviously they're talking about a timeline reset with the flash the dceu like there's a chance that Affleck just straight up dies in the upcoming flash movie i think god that would be the disrespect for Batfleck is just absurd already, but to kill him off would be to literally kill him. That's a lot. And right. But they did say he is like playing the emo- very emotional, like the, the almost like the emotional weight. Oh, he carries that in the film and that would line up if he dies. That would line up. But my, my big worry, not having a Batman in the justice league is that batman is the leader of the justice league he is the one yes. that puts everything together so without a bat without batman in the dceu that has a problem which means michael keaton long like gonna be like at the chair man in the chair for the justice league what are we doing here because we need a batman to be organizing the justice league or let's let's league. let's replace affleck's batman with john cena's peacemaker <laughs> <laughs> let's get him in the justice league yeah let's let's get him in have, imagine those interactions to be like deadpool if he met all like the avengers you know, he makes cena, fun of them constantly yeah. it would be this, it would line up the same way john cena with momoa would be awesome like that would be a great banter yeah that would be really good especially after all these like uh the ban- the wow the peacemaker like uh comments about him so just scrap the season two plans for peacemaker <laughs> and all the characters that were developed very uh justly by james gunn just have a team up series with peacemaker and momoa right i think that that would be dynamite and then Uh, he has he has the helmet that can go underwater perfect oh you breathe yes that's yes yes james gunn take notes here make sure we put that clip out and uh talk to our best friend james gunn but i do want to talk about the series itself ricky flex do you you have like a favorite moment in that finale because it was pretty action-packed that was action-packed i 
that for the finale, like it had to be the Justice League. Like that was just such a shocking moment of events. They really uh, pulled it off. Yeah, they. It was amazing, and it, uh, that was funny too because James Gunn said on Twitter that uh, they actually you like MCU the Marvel helped them filming that scene, really specific scene. Yeah, you did you not see that? He said no. it was like on the set of Guardians, like that uh, they were able to put this together. Wow, that's yeah, so cool. Marvel actually helped the DCEU like shoot this. And that, that goes against like what the fan, when the fans pit themselves against one right. another online. And it says like uh, when you have Kevin Feige saying quotes, like there is no real rivalry between the MCU and the DCEU. They both want superhero movies to succeed. And I think it's Marvel also saying like, eh, we'll help out like the little brother here. We'll help them out. Like they need a little, little, little juice. We'll show them how it's done. No, um, um, I yeah, th- he, ahead, he literally said that, uh, what do you call it? The cameos with Momoa and Miller. Um, Gunn said he wanted Momoa to appear because of the gag, the running gag that we talked about. And then once he was on board, mm-hmm. Gunn asked Ezra Miller after that. And then Gunn said that the Marvel crew that shot that scene, like because there was on the set for Guardians 3 and Marvel owed DC because Peacemaker shot the screen test for, you know, uh, Mur. Uh, what's his name? Yep. Oijo. Yeah, so like was, and he's in Guardians three, so like it yep. just timed out perfectly, and Marvel right. like kind of quote unquote owed them. That's very cool. I, I like to hear that kind of stuff and like just friends helping friends, right? <laughs> or the best way to like the keep your friends close but your enemies closer. It could be that uh, also. Uh, I think uh, I, I also want to talk about talk about jokes that paid off in the end of the series. Die beard with Economos. Mm. Um. There's a scene where he pretends to be one of the butterflies. He has to keep a straight face as he pulls off the job and he leaves the torpedo helmet inside the barn. He's leaving. And then you have the cop who comes up to him and says, hey, is that, why did the person you took over dye their beard like that or whatever like that? And he had to finally admit that he dyed his beard. I laughed out loud at the beginning of that moment. But then he goes on this like big monologue that actually touched my heart a little bit. And I think it like captured the core of this series where it's just about teamwork like like people helping each other and it's all about to accomplish one goal then also like someone stepping out of their comfort zone and due to the friendships that they make they're able to bust out and like become who they want to be you know so i think that scene as silly as it was and the laugh that it gave initially i was just like damn that kind of like encompasses the entire series you know that was a really good scene another thing that actually had another issue with peacemaker because at the beginning when you meet butterflies like obviously, uh, like remember, like was it episode one or two where uh, they go to the secretary or whatever the the congressman's house and like yep. he's very normal with the kids or whatever, but then they go in the house and then they're very robotic. So it's like when and like you couldn't tell who was butterflies or not, like Mur, like you couldn't tell he was a butterfly. So it's like, are they robotic or are they not? Because once the cops became butterflies, it's like they forgot, like they were very like alien like. Robots. It was so obvious that they were like robotic, but like before it was like not obvious. The congressman's like tell. lifting up his kids, smiling and yeah. stuff like that. It and didn't it was, make sense to me either. I was questioning yeah. that. So it's just like throughout the series, it got more obvious that they were aliens, but like beginning they weren't. And there's so many of them because you saw the screen of like all the butterflies around the world and it was just millions. So millions of people are robotic like this. We would know. And also, 
So like when they kill the cow at the end, that is like supplying them their power and everything. Well, when the cow dies, do all butterflies, they obviously not all die. Yeah. Like there's, do they no. all die? So uh, James Gunn said that uh, like one of the, cause I actually do agree with him with this. One of the best shots in the series was the end with James Gunn. I'm oh, sorry, with John Cena, with Eagley and uh, Groff, the last. Um, Goff. Goff, sorry. Um, and he's, you know how he has given him the food, the goo. So Gunn yeah, said the that's honey. The, the honey. Yeah. So Gunn said that's the last of it. So they're all just going to die off because they're not going to have any food supply. Gotcha. Interesting. I didn't like I didn't understand that initially. If James Gunn didn't say that. I think that's why we're lucky we're in the age of social media where right. like, someone that's active on Twitter as James Gunn can like communicate like this is what that means. That's pretty cool. But yeah. imagine watching this like 10 years ago. You're like, what the hell? I don't I don't get it. Um, yeah. Uh, favorite scene for me has got to be also when they bring in. Do you really do you really want to taste it? And then they start kicking butt hardcore, like like basically teaming up with Peacemaker. And then you actually have stakes to this fight. You thought hardcore dies. Then you have Vigilante. You think he gets shot right through the stomach. And Vigilante, this entire episode after he gets shot, gives me a lot of red vibes from Pineapple Express. <laughs> uh, in terms of like at the end of the movie, he's like, yeah, I got shot, dude. I got shot. There's eating at the diner and just like, then they end the movie. I, like him jumping out the window. I'm like, this is like exactly like Danny McBride in Pineapple <laughs> Express. Uh, but I thought that action sequence was amazing set to that song. And that song has made such waves because of the intro to this series. Right. That yes. It made that moment. Like you wanted to get up out of your seat, like, let's go. And then Cena, like doing Cena stuff, just taking out like these thugs with the shield, like these, not thugs, but these butterflies. He's got that shield and stuff. Like I thought it was on point. Uh, any other final thoughts on the Peacemaker finale before we kind of sign off on it and head into the checkup? It lived up to the hype. It was great. I'm looking forward to season two. I have no idea what they're going to do because uh, they did refer to like the kite man in like newspaper clippings. So it'll be interesting to see maybe that season two. Batmite. Batmite. Um, so we'll see. I don't know what James Gunn's going to do, but you know it's going to be unconventional and off the beaten path, which I love and unexpected and have twists and turns. So I'm, I'm looking forward to season two, and I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm looking forward oh, to it. Oh, it's coming out 2023. I think that was just announced. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Only a year after. Yeah. That's sweet. Right. That shows you what happens when you have a hit. Uh, I do want to say too, Amanda Waller at the end, you wonder like, will there ever be a sequel to the Suicide Squad? And we know there's going to be another spinoff series to the Suicide Squad as announced by uh, for James Gunn. And uh, he's also going to be writing and writing and directing every episode of season two of Peacemaker. It makes you think like we may not ever see another movie of the Suicide Squad. It might be just done. We get these spinoffs or maybe way down the line, we get another one because Viola Davis is going to prison, right? Oh, that's another storyline that we didn't even touch on, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because at a bio at yeah. the end, rats her own mom out. That was crazy. I, I, that was a mu- little much. Succession vibes. <laughs> succession. Yeah. yeah very succession. <laughs> yeah. So I, you, you just don't know. And like Viola Davis is like seeing her cameo in here too. It shows like, okay, like this shows how much they respect James Gunn. Cause like how many other, like if Marvel did this or like another DC uh, director that was doing a series did this. Would they say yes? Like it shows, I think Viola Davis would be like, well, I'm not coming back for this. This is like Peacemaker series, a spinoff of the Suicide Squad. I don't have to do this. Momo is yeah. probably like, why would I have to do Oscar this? Whatever. Winner. Like Gunn provides the prestige too. That it's just like, okay, I'll do this for him. And he's so such a pleasure to work with uh, that it makes it just easier, I guess. I think that helps it out. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, with that being said, Ricky Flex, great talk on Peacemaker. Can't wait for season two. Uh, let's get to the checkup. So, do you, are we doing express style this week, or do you want to just count out the stories? Well, yeah, like, what are you interested in? What, what, what happened this week that you liked? I think that we do need to talk about Stranger Things. Because Stranger Things, there was a bunch of news that came out. I know Nez is a huge fan of this series. Uh, we got a bucket load of news about Stranger Things. We got a, like three new posters. I provide three different settings for the upcoming season. We find out the new season is going to be released in two parts, a la Ozark, except this is not going to be the finale for Stranger Things. Season five will be the final season. This is season four upcoming with two different parts. The Duffer Brothers that created Stranger Things also teased that, quote, many more exciting stories to tell within the world of Stranger Things, new mysteries, new adventures, New unexpected heroes, end quote, uh, are, are coming after um, season five. Uh, season four is going to be the biggest season yet with nine scripts, over 800 pages, almost two years of filming, thousands of visual effect shots, and a runtime nearly twice the length of any previous season. So when you hear all of that information regarding Stranger Things, Flickster, do you actually feel more excited for the upcoming season? No, I feel the same. I honestly think that season one was incredible. One of the best seasons of television of all time. So and good. this has not, like, those other seasons have been good, but it just has not lived up to the season one expectations or hype. I, I believe, I think it's great. Good, good, see, uh, good uh, series. Very good. But it's just never lived up to season one. I'm looking forward to it, but this doesn't for me, like add any extra to it, it does sound great. Like, okay, sure. A lot of extra we're gonna see a lot but guess what you gotta it's hard to live up to that hype so for me it's the same like i'm gonna watch it because i like stranger things but it's just it's never never gonna be like season one again so stranger things just doesn't move the needle for you no like ozark finished that by the way that was awesome but that i don't know like nothing will live up to that season one kind of but like not in the same way stranger things was the season way two three four and ozark all are great and I think like season one, I agree, like spectacular. It like changed the landscape of streaming shows. It literally was up there. Probably it is Netflix's most profitable franchise they have currently. Uh, but I do want to say season two, a little bit of a letdown, but season three, I loved. And the finality of season three, it gave off the end of a show the vibes, right? It looked like the presumed death of Hopper. You have the separation of Eleven and Finn Wolfhard's character. Okay. It seems like things were coming to peace finally, but to hear like these many stories are still available. It tells me like, okay, now Stranger Things is ch channeling. Like they want to become this franchise. Uh, like we talked about the MCU, the DCEU. They want to be like Jurassic Park. They want to be one that explores different areas of a universe rather than keeps it like, okay, this has been a beautiful thing. We've had our moment, right? We own streaming for the last, what, five years. So we'll end it there. This tells me the profitability, like potential for this. Netflix is like licking their chops and they're seeing all the spinoffs that are capable. I mean, I think they're pushing the boundaries by having Hopper come back in the first place. But what other stories do you think are capable of being told in this universe? I'm not interested in any of these spinoffs. Like, what was interesting is, like, I guess finding out, like, uh, oh, crap, see, I'm right, the Upside Down. Like, let's just explore that more. Matthew Modine's character. Let's go into that. That's what I'm interested in. But to be honest, 
if we don't get that, I don't care. I really don't want to learn more about Finn Wolfhard's character. I don't want to explore those avenues. I don't want to explore anybody else's avenues, not even 11s. Remember they tried that with her running away? Like that was awful. I thought, I that thought was that terrible. was terrible. That was that, that was basically the closest thing they had to a spinoff so right. far. It's just those that one episode or yeah. two episodes. So that was the worst part in the history of this series. I will not back down from that. Yeah. And I think that these spinoffs would be other people like Eleven. That's what it, it would be. And I don't want that. That was the worst part. I don't want to see that. So I'm out. I'm I'm just not in, I'm not in for these spinoffs. And I agree. Like the best way this show operates is when the kids are together. And then we have to remember when season one happened, anymore. they were 13 years old in season one. They Finn Wolfhard is now 20 years old. Can you believe that? He is 20 years old from the beginning of season one of Stranger Things. So I do we really want to see like Finn Wolfhard's character in college? Like I don't have a huge fascination with him as an actor in the first place. And I don't really maybe if like uh, if it's him in 11, I'm sort of interested. But like if they do spinoffs focusing on one or two characters, it just doesn't have the same appeal as when the gang's all together. It's like trying to split up Scooby-Doo. Like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy go off on their adventures, but they can't carry a show together. They need the rest of the Mystery Inc. gang. Yeah, and like the, the part, the biggest reason I think that season one was so big is because it had the Goonies vibes. It had that all the kids are together and they're all young and they all like, like they can't drive. They have to go on their bikes. You get that 80s feel, that nostalgia, like in the kids riding their bikes in middle of nowhere, whatever. We're driving now. Yeah, It's like we got to simmer down here. <laughs> like we don't care about Finn Wolfhart, 20-year-old Finn Wolfhart. I will say something that I did love was the was uh, – what's his name? Dakray Montgomery. Montgomery. He was awesome. I do think he's great. He's um, making an appearance in the trailer roundup this week, Ricky Flex. Mm-hmm. But I, okay, let's get to it then. Cause I'm, I'm I really do want to talk about a couple him. other stories though. Okay, I want to talk okay. about a couple other stories. Uh, we do want to talk about Star Trek four. Uh, something we didn't know if it was happening. We heard about a, a Quentin Tarantino script that was out there potentially being made into a movie. That's not this project that was announced, but we do have the returning cast of the first three Star Trek films uh, from the J.J. Abrams era. You got Chris Pine, Zach Quinto, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urban, John Cho, Simon Pegg, all in. Uh, they're in talks to reprise their roles for the fourth Star Trek film. This will be directed by WandaVision showrunner Matt Shackman. Uh, Star Trek four is going to begin shooting at the end of 2022. Ricky Flex, you're a huge Star Trek guy. This must have been a huge relief to see that this is actually happening. Okay, for the record, I'm not a huge Star Trek guy. I'm a big like JJ Abrams Star Trek era. Thank you. Like, I'm not a big William Shatner. <laughs> you will not associate. So, like, Ricky Flix does not want to be associated with Trekkies. Like, he is a Star Wars guy at heart, but he only is a Trekkie in terms of J.J. Abrams post 2009. Correct. I do think this. And no shows. No shows. None. Like, anything William Shatner, get out of my face. Anything on CBS? No. No. <laughs> yeah. Rafa Khan, like, those movies, like, no. First, like, uh, Chris Pine first one and then into the darkness been a cumberbatch amazing movies better than any of the i i think they're both better than force awakens i am i guys i think they're amazing movies but i love star wars like star wars lightsabers jedi like come on now but your heart lies when i saw this news i was so excited and matt shackman like wow we got a new director here who's on a high like he is moving so He's going from WandaVision to this. So excited. Cast is back. 
And not only you get the big wigs back, like Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine and Zoe Zaldana, who like kind of like carry a lot of the screen time. But I think the reason why the Star Trek movies, this current, they're the last trilogy was so successful is because of the minor characters, how good they are, a la Carl Urban, Simon Pegg. And they are coming back allegedly right now. So you're getting the whole major characters back and also the minor characters that just continue the story. Like, like uh, it continues the story in the movie. They're very good. They hit all their beats. It helps the movie move along and they're back. So with a good director, cast is back. Love to see it. What relieved me is when I saw that, I forgot what studio produces the Star Trek movies. It's not Warner Brothers, is it? Bad, Ro- Bad Robot or? No, like I know that's the minor friend. That's J.J. Abrams. But whatever major studio was thinking about rehashing this series and like keeping it going, I was concerned that people wouldn't care. It seemed like no one cared about Star Trek Beyond. It didn't do well at the box office. And looking at seven years later, do we actually want to see a fourth Star Trek movie? It seems like Chris Pine has lost some of his juice and he is what kind of like propelled these movies. Zach Quinto, he kind of relied on these Star Trek movies to like propel like like propel his fame and like his, his watchability for fans. So I, I saw that they did some, they ran some data. They saw that they were still viable. They could make money still when put in the right position. I think Matt Shackman, who did such a great job with WandaVision, and uh, that was obviously one of the most culturally significant shows of last year, basically giving us hope that the MCU was still much, still very much alive and well. Seeing him join this project definitely gives me hope. But uh, yeah, I just didn't care for Star Trek Beyond itself. I did like Into Darkness. That one gets ripped on for a, like I, for no reason. I think I like I, I won't say no reason. I know it's trying to live up to like the spectacle that was the first Star Trek. But I love Cumberbatch's con so much. I thought he brought a lot to the table. He killed people it. Like, people don't like a robotic type character. Uh, I was reading, I guess, when I was looking at some of the reviews. But I thought he absolutely slayed the role. Cumberbatch is going to be Cumberbatch. Like a movie sinks is not going to be because of him, dude. He was amazing. And maybe I got to have myself a Force Awakens. But Into the Darkness, Into Darkness is amazing. I love that movie. I, it, again, it's amazing. It came out in 2013. Nine years ago, I felt there was so much danger in that movie where it's just like they, 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 they're not gonna be able to stop this dude. Like, I love He's, those type of movies where yeah. you feel like, wow, like it's gonna take it's gonna take a village to take down this dude. It's not yeah. gonna be and just then, a one on one with Captain Kirk or one on one with Spock. We're gonna need there's, there's gonna be sacrifices made. Then you have like the electric factory that is Cumberbatch in the role. I thought it was awesome, amazing. And like, what if they brought back Cumberbatch right now? Maybe oh. after an Oscar win. Like that wanna, would be you insanity. Talk about, you want to talk about making this franchise relevant again and making sure people see this movie, bring back Cumberbatch's con. Oh yeah, because he didn't be die, amazing. right? So, spoiler. I, I don't think so. Did he go to prison at the end? I or like, think is so. he in a, like a chamber of some sort? I don't really yeah. remember. But like, um, but they, they killed Spock in that one. That was amazing. As in like, not like, as no, in like, that was, that was pretty like emotional and yeah. wow. And like again, like I don't know why that gets ripped on. Like that movie's so good. So I watched it a few weeks ago. I might have to charge it up again. I like yeah. that's just I, just hearing Khan, like with Star Trek Khan, like even Star Trek like people that are loose fans, they've seen some of the episodes, maybe they've seen like the first movie. When you hear Khan, it's like hearing Vader in Star Wars. It has the same direct correlation to like must watch. Yeah. Um 
what else do I want to talk about here? So trio behind Forrest Gump are going to reunite for a film adaption of a movie called Here. Tom Hanks, of course, is going to star. Director Robert, Robert Zemeckis is back and co-writing the script with Eric Roth. That trio, it just has Oscar written all over it. I feel like with Zemeckis on his own, like he, his track record recently, he has, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, it sucked. No, but Eric great. Roth and Tom Hanks, they already have the Oscar appeal for a movie made in 2023 or 2022, whenever this starts filming. And having this trio together has me really excited. So uh, any thoughts on – and Eric Roth just got nominated for an Oscar for yes. Uh, Dune. Yes. Right? Yeah. And he, like he's amazing. One of the best writers there is – or there are, whatever. But um, you know – is Yeah. You know who is pulling this back for me? It's Tom Hanks. Whoa. I, I am nervous for him. We're, we're, we're going to talk about him on the checkup, if that's what you're talking about. I'm nervous. Him um, Colonel Parker. Yeah. His Apple TV movies. Uh, he's on not, he's not, like you talked about Zemeckis, but I feel like with a good writer like Eric Roth and that them reuniting, I have more faith in that than a Tom Hanks master performance here. I don't agree. Like Tom Hanks still has the juice, bro. He played Mr. Rogers, what, two years ago and got nominated for an Oscar? Like, yeah. like, like, like he's still got the juice. You can't put the Apple TV like hindrance on him. Like a lot of people can't see those movies or don't just choose not to because they don't trust the streaming service. Like, I guess at this age, he can make whatever he wants. Two-time Oscar winner, right? Still got more in the tank and the, the uh, synopsis for this movie if I had to read it. The film is centered in one room, focuses on the people who inhabit it over years and years. So this has very much a closed setting, limited characters. We know that's where Tom Hanks thrives, at least he did in the 90s when you have films like or a film like Castaway. You think of immediately, you think about what he just did with Finch that actually had a lot of positive reviews, but he's pretty much the only human character in that movie. I think it could be, I, I'm not going to dismiss Tom Hanks. I know he has Yeah, I'm not dismissing so so like no 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 but I, I know but like I feel like people are trying to categorize Tom Hanks thinking he lost the juice compared to like a De Niro like De Niro was Not just like throwing fl- throwing throwing crap at a wall that's like De Niro except if he's working with Scorsese and obviously he was on in Joker and that's like one of a zillion roles he took in the 21st century that actually worked, you know? So it seems like he misses a lot. Tom Hanks isn't on that level in my opinion. Yeah, no, he's not like that, but it's like I don't know, like watching that Elvis trailer, like he looked iffy to me. Save it, iffy. save it, save it, save it. <laughs> we'll get and to it. So we'll- that came out right after this news. So I, I don't know. I, I agree with everything you said. And I still think he has the juice Unlike and like, like not like De Niro, where he's just taking roles for paycheck money. He's like bad grandpa with Zac Efron. Oh. Like Tom Hanks isn't doing that. He's still trying and he still has the juice. Like he was in the post, like he was good in that even though the movie itself for me wasn't great but he was good um but i have faith in him i'm just saying if there is one if i if i had to pick one of the three here that i'm more most nervous about it's going to be him okay i'd be zemeckis for sure uh but last thing on the checkup before we get to the trailer roundup i'm so hyped to do the trailer roundup and then get to our last segment but john cena is going to play the antagonist in a looney tunes animated hybrid coyote versus acme shout out to one of our nominees for the deep up for guest of the year j man but uh the film's going to follow wiley coyote 
who after Acme products fail him too many times in his pursuit of the Roadrunner, classic, decides to hire a lawyer to sue the Acme Corporation. I just want to say quickly, John Cena in a Looney Tunes hybrid, I think is perfect. I don't know why it gives me a little bit of Brendan Fraser back in action vibes. We see the uh, humor that is cap- that uh, Cena is capable of. He can do like more adult humor, but he also can do immature humor, which is like going to line up perfectly with this movie. He's going to have a real fun time with it. It seems like Cena is just embracing like this like blockbuster type of movie, and I think like like it's like the opposite of Dave Bautista. Like Dave Bautista would never do this. Yes, he's no. a man that tries would, to give him as much credit as possible as a certified actor, not a blockbuster star, an actor. And Cena is just on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, for this, like before you read like the film synopsis, you think, oh, like this would be fun, like good for kids. Like he'll like I don't want to I'm not saying like this is going to be like that. But Tom and Jerry last year, like that movie. Dude, awful, don't, don't you but, dare. Don't but you I'm dare. just saying that John Cena and Looney Tunes in the same section no, as Chloe Morris and Tom and Jerry. <laughs> wait, what I'm saying is that target How audience. Dare you? <laughs> that target audience was clearly for like little kids that don't like they they that that like everything. Like every movie is the best movie in the world to them, you know. So like that's what I was thinking for this one. Like oh, like this might not be the best movie. But this would be fun. John Cena will kill this role. But then you read the synopsis here, and it's about a lawsuit. Like, what? Are we getting serious? Like, is, is half the movie in a courtroom? Like, what are, are we doing? Serious? No, the, the, the movie stars Roadrunner and Wally Coyote. I don't think we're getting serious. <laughs> no, but like, I was expecting. Well, like as a- I said, those two names that did remind me of Tom and Jerry, because <laughs> it's uh, like a small yes. world there. So I don't know, like, this lawsuit. Like, what? I, I, I don't care about the story. I don't care about the story. It doesn't want to see make it fun. Looney Tunes, it never matters. It's all about the, the antics and stuff. I'm dropping anvils on people's heads. That's all I care about. That's what, I just that's what I'm saying, some, though. That's I what I'm saying. I just want some type of world unity with Space Jam, A New Legacy, LeBron James, and then also original Space Jam, Michael Jordan, Brendan Fraser back in action, and then John Cena in this movie. I want like a meeting of the minds, like a brain trust so, of Looney Tunes, like uh, humans that come together. So two two things for you here, Imagine that. real quick. One, does Bugs Bunny make an appearance? I think he has to. So then, cameo. Does Brendan Fraser make a cameo? Deepa nominee. Uh, he's hot in the streets. That's not a bad idea, Ricky Flex. I like that. I I'm not going to put it past it. A uh, Brendan Fraser cameo in this John Cena Looney Tunes Roadrunner movie. I think it's possible. I would do it. He's on he's on a hot streak right now. And after this year, he definitely will be on a hot streak. Most likely. Bookmark it. Bookmark it for when this comes up. Ricky Flex, time for the trailer roundup. We had one massive trailer that we need to talk about, one that was highly anticipated, that nearly made our most anticipated movies of 2022 draft from a few episodes ago. And we also have a, like a, a more minute trailer, one that's kind of hidden, debuted at Sundance, but one that we are extremely excited to discuss. You might have heard us discuss at the beginning of the episode, but we got to talk about Elvis, directed by Boz Lerman. It's going to star Austin Butler as the king of rock and roll and Tom Hanks as his, ma- as his manager, Colonel Parker. Uh, Ricky Flex, initial reactions after seeing the first trailer for Elvis. I don't know why people online are hating on this so hard i thought this trailer was really good me too me too i thought it was really good i was so excited 
Like, I was like, oh my God, just why? I, I think I tweeted this out. I was like, why aren't we talking about this more? And then you just go in the comments section and people didn't really like the trailer. I was like, oh, that's why? I thought it was awesome. The music and like the beginning biopic vibes were like the music's really low. And then you have Elvis voice, like a remixed and very like the anticipation growing throughout the trailer. And then you see him dancing, getting into the controversies that they're going to get into. This is awesome. Austin Butler, let's see how he does. Obviously, Tex from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's like really the only thing I know him from. This could be a come out for him. Playing Elvis. And this looks like he went all out. A little too much eyeliner, but it looks like he went all out for this. And I can't wait to see it. I agree with the eyeliner part. Like that was, I, I guess when you look at Elvis, it looked like he had like those shades, like those Derek Carr eyes where it looks like he's wearing <laughs> eyeliner, but yes. he's not. But here he's like clearly wearing eyeliner. But Austin Butler was a huge child star. He was in like iCarly, Zoe 101, for those who aren't uh, familiar, shows that we grew up with. But he is making this turn into becoming a bona fide star. I think after this movie, we're going to have to consider him one of the best stars in Hollywood for young actors. I think he's going to be that impactful performance. And he's playing Elvis. Elvis. I know we talk about these music biopics that are coming. We had respect to Aretha Franklin, Jennifer Hudson last year. We had a couple of years ago, we had Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury. We had Taron Egerton playing Elton John. And now this was long overdue to get a modernized take on the King of Rock and Roll. Yes, we had the TV movie played by Kurt Russell like in 79 or something way earlier, but we are due for an up-to-date version of someone who contributed so much to the history of music. I am jacked to see this he captures a lot of those iconic moments where it's him like that famous black and white like picture of him like on his tiptoes and like leaning like leaning the microphone yes. they reenact that in the movie they show his background with the blues and like be with gospel music and it, it's going to show his entire life which is uh exciting and that's going to show like the rise and the fall and then the rise again that it's like made for a movie. This is a justified uh, music biopic that I can't be more excited to see. And I think Boz Lorman, he is an interesting aspect to this because as on his filmography, it's a little bit sketchy, right? A lot of hits and misses, right? Tendency to miss most recently. But when it comes to music, when you think of Moulin Rouge, right? He's fairly strong. When it comes to music type of movies, I have it centered around music. I think it's going to be a hit. I'm going to say that now. I don't think it's going to flop. I think it's going to be a hit. I think we could do eventually at the end of this, maybe a thermometer predictor yes. for Elvis. But uh, what do you think about Boz Lorman taking the helm? So I completely agree with you. I think we've said this before. The Great Gatsby, that's him. I they bring this up. I don't like this that movie, and I don't like a couple of other movies, but at the end of the day, when it comes to music, even Great Gatsby had good music and good pace with the music. I thought it was very good. I think got nominated for an Oscar, like one of the songs, like the Beyonce one, or I think- For Great Gatsby? Yeah, I think that I'm not- I'm I wouldn't sure. be surprised. Yeah, and you said it, like the use of music, he knows how to do it. This is a music biopic. Has there been a huge market for this? yes. Have we seen too many? Yes. But I think there's a good, like, there's been a little time. And by the time this comes out in the summer, right? It comes out in the summer, I believe. I think it's going to be enough time where it's like, all right, let's go see this. 
let's go to the theaters and see Elvis on the screen dancing. And this looks like, like I said at the beginning, Austin Butler looked like he went all out for this. You said it, it looks like the iconic moments are getting hit. And again, this is about Elvis. Only Elvis. Like Bohemian Rhapsody, sure, it was about Freddie Mercury, but they showed a lot of the band and like the working, inner workings of the songs, things like that. You think of Walk the Line, that's more about two people. Not That's why it's not called like Johnny Cash or Cash. June and John. John June. And June. Right. This one is solely about Elvis, solely about him. Loves the, I, I literally cannot wait to see this. I am a little bit concerned you bring out like the focus on Elvis here because who is co-starring alongside the up-and-comer Austin Butler? Tom Hanks is Colonel Parker, who's putting on like a this Slavic type of accent that's going to draw a lot of attention when this movie debuts. Um, I think if people aren't familiar with who Colonel Parker is and like the, the grasp he had on Elvis's career, a lot of them are going to be distracted by Tom, Tom Hanks in this movie. So it makes me question, like, what are Boz Lerman's like when this movie actually comes out, what is the screen time disparity between Butler and Colonel Parker? Because people are seeing this role. It's juicy for a guy like Tom Hanks and people are going to want to see Tom Hanks because they know him. They have familiar audiences have familiarity with him. It makes me a little concerned there a little. Does that, does that cross your mind at all? I was concerned Tom Hanks. I, I think I mentioned this earlier, right? With when we were talking about Hanks and Zemeckis, I didn't think he looked good, good in the trailer. Like, I don't think so. I think he might be the weak part in this one. Like, I'm nervous. I, I was more excited to see Austin Butler because he's playing Elvis. Yeah, and he, he sounded good, right? Like the voice, that little the twang. It, it, it has everything to do with us. <laughs> That's actually pretty good, too. Thank you. Thank but you. Uh, I thought he looked the part, except the eyeliner, like a little too much. Besides that, the hair, the movement, the movement. Like, looks like we're going to get a lot of sequences with the music. That's what we want to see. Like, I, and again, we're going to see him as a kid, but this is only about Elvis, I think. I don't think Colonel Parker is going to take away as much as you think, but I do think the accent is a problem. It is a little distracting. Speaking of voices, Ricky Flex, you know what I loved about this trailer? What is like one thing that stands out between Elvis and every other performance? Not his, not just his dancing while he sings, but it's the way he speaks too. Like the way he talks is so distinct and they wait, the way they treated Austin Butler in this trailer is this is a weird comparison, but it's almost like how they treated Robert Pattinson in the first trailer for the Batman. Right. So they don't want to give away too much of the voice. He had one line as Elvis in this movie, or maybe a couple, maybe he had had two or maybe I would say at max, he had three lines. So his voice, they're not hiding it because it's bad. I think they're hiding it because they want you to like have excitement when you see the actual movie or for the second trailer, because the accent or like the way he speaks is so distinct. And uh, I, I can't wait to see him speak, like, spend the whole movie talking like Elvis did because it's, it's hard to imitate. It takes a lot of practice. I would assume to nail that because it sounds, it looks like he's trying so hard to speak just Elvis himself. Right. And then seeing someone trying to adapt that, fascinating and uh mm-hmm. it looks like he's got the moves down he's got the good looks and he's everything. got the moves he, he's got the looks the hair the costume design awesome awesome the montage the montage yes. at the end was so good incredible I, trailer. I watched this trailer i want to say six times over the last i, I watched it days. a few times yeah it's it very well put together the trailer was very well done there should be more hype around this movie and it's just interesting because you mentioned austin butler like Start as a child actor. Instead of 
like, and then it was in a Tarantino movie, like very small role there. He's making a similar trajectory as a lot of other big name actors that don't go the superhero route. He went the, this route, the music biopic, playing a famous figure. <laughs> and like, this is going to come out in, in the summer. Probably going to be similar to Rocket Man, where it came out during the summer, like not going to get the Oscar nom or anything. But this could be something big personally for Austin Butler to use saying, OK, I'm I'm here now. This probably is like, get the, the Golden Globe nom, probably probably a Golden oh. Globe nom. Yep. And then yep. stamp of approval. Austin Butler can star in movies going forward and then maybe makes a run towards being an Oscar nominated actor here and there uh, in the future. But again, I'm not going to say that yet, but I'm very hyped to see this movie. And the fact that I'm even saying that about Austin Butler is telling of how good this trailer was. Yeah, I, 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 we're on the same page here, Ricky Flex. I can't wait for the second one to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was also a three and a half minute trailer. So long. They showed and it was so also much. the intro and post trailer that Lerman posted that was 10 minutes long. Ugh, insane. So <laughs> it was an interesting way to like introduce the trailer. But in my opinion, with that 10 minute segment, that is the wrong way to do trailers in 2022. We got like apps on here, like TikTok, and we got like Instagram reels. No one is sitting around on their phone for 10 minutes to watch a trailer. Just get to the point, bud. It's just that's not going to pan out in the future. Yeah. But they made it a big deal. They tried to make it a spectacle. Somewhat worked. Somewhat worked. All right. Uh, other trailer I want to talk about. Uh, oh, yes. Thermometer predictor. Um, yes. Ricky Flex, you go first on this one. I do have a note. 83. Okay. I'm, I'm going high 70s. I'm going 77%. All right. I just, it's just the accents of it all. I think people are going to have some beef with it. Mm. But uh, 83, I think, but we both think it's certified fresh. We got to think of a way to declare like driving podcast fresh or like some way to declare that we have a stamp of approval on this movie. Any ideas on what we can do for that? I don't know. Uh, Deepa approved. Deepa um, approved. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to think about it. Oh, by the way, De- and we mentioned decorate Montgomery. He's in this movie. Yes. I, I Thank you, Ricky. I, I meant to, So, Dacker Montgomery's in this movie. You know who else is? Uh, small role. Very small role. I don't even think made an appearance in the trailer or else we just couldn't recognize who it was. Cody. Cody Smith McPhee. Cody Smith McPhee. Potential Oscar winner. More than likely Oscar winner yes. this year for Power of the Dog. Also appears in this movie. Star-studded young cast along with Tom Hanks. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. Uh, other trailer this week, we had Fresh, Sebastian Stan, and an uh, up-and-comer, Daisy Edgar Jones. Films releasing March 4th on Hulu. We did talk about it to intro the episode here. This, I think, is, this could be Sebastian Stan's moment. He owns, like, Falling Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? Uh, scene-stealing roles there. We see what he's doing with Pam and Tommy with such a, uh, like, I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's a highly coveted role, just one that's going to garner a lot of attention playing Tommy Lee in a sex tape-like type of series. And then we have him playing a cannibal opposite Daisy Edgar Jones. I like the diversity in his portfolio here, and it seems like he's stretching, like, what people, like, see him as. Like, yes. I, we talk about, like, Tom Holland and his agent 
And like what he's been, the, the agent has been like picking out for Holland other than Spider-Man, you got Uncharted, Cherry, right? Then we have guys like the agent for Sebastian Stan, who is like diversifying in a way that is going to explore so, all audiences, mm-hmm. but also explore his talent, you know, and see how good he really is, right? And challenge him. So what do you think about this role as a cannibal set in like a Tinder dating atmosphere? So, oh, okay. First about the role. Awesome. Like this is great for him. And I agree with you that he's, you know, diverse roles right now, but like, we cannot forget he was in the three, five, five. Yes. We, we don't, we don't so, discuss that. So I'm just saying agent questionable. I forgot who's in, I forgot who's in that. Movie. So we got, we got to simmer back a little I got, bit. I, the I, there, talk, there, but... There's gotta be some like info on the background of that movie because Jessica Chastain was in that movie, right? Oh yeah. 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 She's the lead. Yeah. And she's Oscar nominated this year. Yeah. But okay. Point is Sebastian Stan playing a cannibal. This just screams like, wow, you got to put in a good performance here. And this trailer looks like he put in a a really good performance. I cannot wait to see Sebastian Stan playing a cannibal because you like, what do you think? You think silence of the lambs, right? So you're not going to top Anthony Hopkins or anything like that, but this one's active. Like you're not in a prison cell or whatever. Different type of movie. Yeah. Way different type. This is, yeah, way different type of movie and where your cannibals actually like active and out and about. That's so insane. He's going to have to put in a heck of a performance. I think he does. It looks like it. And this comes out March 4th, same day as the Batman. That's obviously going to take up my time, but I will make it a point to see this in my downtime. There seems to be a fascination right now with like Ted Bundy. And mm-hmm. I know uh, like Ted Bundy, whether it's the document, uh, Netflix documentary that came out, whether it's the Chad Michael Murray movies that just came out on streaming, whether it's the Zac Efron version of the Ted Bundy movie, right? Incredibly shocking, evil, yada, 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 whatever the title was that was stupid. Um, (laughs) It just seems like there's this fascination with serial killers right now. Podcasts, big on podcasts. Yes, and then like good-looking serial killers, Ted Bundy, Sebastian Stan, right? Girl swoon over this dude. I think it's a, I think it could be special and I've heard nothing but great things coming like, from like podcasts, I listen to reading reviews up on it, right? Debut at Sundance. I am stoked to see this. And then Daisy Edgar Jones, uh, up and coming actress as well. And Sebastian Stan's a name we recognize, but Daisy Edgar Jones, she's doing an FX series with Oscar nominated actor Andrew Garfield. So uh, her career is on the up and up too. I'm, I'm excited to see where um, this movie goes. And you can expect this to be reviewed on the Drive In podcast. Definitely. Like, predictor, predictor predictor for this one yeah let's do it i'm gonna go 88 percent. 88 percent. i was gonna say 88 <laughs> it's like conservative that's like a conservative great movie where it's like it's a little controversial maybe it's like too much into like this like social media like, like not social media uh like a online dating scene that is Meta. so yeah and it's also like maybe you have these older reviewers or critics that just like so, aren't buying into uh, it i'm going with 88 percent sebastian stan unbelievable performance daisy so, edgar jones i'm also is also gonna be unbelievable i just we're just not familiar with her yet have you seen the movie upgrade oh with uh what's his name logan marshall green yeah right? like he uh you know he, he becomes like a super human yeah basically. parts haven't seen it yeah so that's the whole thing that movie has those elements where like oh like that could have been written better or like the back the first like act is like it's so slow like getting to the point where then he's going all out this one like i have a similar 
like vibe to where it's like, oh, it might take a minute. You have to get through some of the meta online dating stuff. Little wackies yeah. running with the short shorts, you know? <laughs> but then right when you get to like, he like probably breaks it to her saying, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> it's going to probably just go on a rampage similar to upgrade did right when he got his powers and realized like he's unstoppable he was just went on a rampage i feel like similar thing and like he that was an 88 this one's an 88 like i think that one's like around 88 i feel like it's gonna be the same thing this one's gonna be liked a lot but like is it the best movie ever no but it was an like people would be walking out of the theater be like or hulu they'll be like wow that was so much fun and also good i think this is gonna be a big like twitter movie where like people are mm. going to respond with like these like montages of Sebastian Stan videos with like weird background music. The poster you know? itself, the poster is uh, very unconventional with the hand as like a, a supermarket product. Uh, yeah. Product. Like, I thought uh, that was cool. But like I could buying see, like, chicken. You're buying like, a weirdly. Hand. People love Sebastian Stan. People love Marvel. People love fascination with movie stars. You know, in tweets like. They'll just say, like, this is cinema. And then there'll be a video of just random actor that's not even in the movie, just, like, doing yeah. stuff in movies, swooning their hair. It's going to be Sebastian Stan in Fresh, this movie. And, again, this type of role, like you're saying, like, he's completing a portfolio right now of all these different types of roles. This is all to set up for, like, a big one. I don't know. Hot Top Time Machine 3. <laughs> I don't know which one that would be. But then after that, he's on the trajectory of taking on the Luke Skywalker role. Ah. You think that, that's got to be in the back of his mind the entire time? I think he asked about it regularly. It, he's he recently came out and said that he's open to it. He's doing all this type of work. He has a couple more movies coming out uh, next year that he's starring in. Like it's gonna be big for him to keep rounding out his portfolio to get that big time post MCU movie, like big drama. He's the A lister. So then he's like, all right, I'm Luke Skywalker. He's bigger. Like he's bigger than the MCU. That's right what he's going for uh that's gonna do it for the trailer roundup this week let's get to our segment on the 10 movies to best prepare for the batman all right ricky flakes this segment no top billing this week Rather, it's just a different form. It's not going to be a draft. It's going to be more of us with our recommendations. March 4th is coming quickly. We are less, we are two weeks away, pretty much two weeks away from the Batman releasing. I forgot February was shortened, right? As a month. So we have about a little less than two weeks. We want to give you the best possible preparation plan to see the Batman so you guys can enjoy it to its fullest extent the, may, the way it's meant to be enjoyed. So we're going to give you 10 movies to look at and uh, and that'll be like your guideline. Maybe watch one a day leading up to the March 4th release. I know Ricky Flicks and I, we secured tickets already. So shout out Ricky Flicks for hopping on that. <laughs> Although we're not sitting together, Ricky Flicks. We're not sitting together for the Batman. It was tough. I couldn't, I couldn't swindle it. I couldn't, I couldn't make it happen. But would you rather see it that earlier or later? So this is a positive and a negative, mostly negative that we're not sitting next to each other. I know when we have major Marvel releases, I like sitting next to Ricky Flex because I'll just like give him a huge elbow to the side. Like, oh my God, can you believe this is happening? Eternals, Holy Harry crap. Styles, the biggest yes, elbow like, I've ever I'm seen. Like, <laughs> Two like, minutes in the box. 
But it, <laughs> it's just like every time I, there's a huge cameo in a superhero movie, I'm like, I'm like punching Ricky Flex. Like, are you, can you believe what we're seeing? So I, 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 for, I feel bad for anyone to my right and left during this movie because I'm going to be fidgeting in my seat, right? The same for here, like waiting for all these spectacular moments, like the Batmobile riding through fire, Robert Pattinson screaming, I'm vengeance or pulverizing someone to their bone. I'm going to be just flipping out and I'll have no one to look to my side. So I won't be able to distract Ricky from the movie at least. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. But again, I'm not sorry because we're seeing it earlier than expected. So you're welcome. I might have to like go on my knee on the seat and look behind. Like, like, did you see that? Did you see that? And see you right behind me. Uh, all right. Let's get to our list here, Ricky Flex. So 10 movies, they're not necessarily Batman movies. They can be a Batman movie, whether it's animated or live action. But also just us, it's going to be like trying to detect the vibe the Batman's bringing. Okay, get us familiar with the actors that will be appearing in the movie. So Ricky Flex, can you give us one movie that's going to help prepare us for Matt Reeves' The Batman? I think the clear and obvious number one would be Batman Year One, which is... Listen, Matt Reeves, what is he looking for? He loved, he, 1987 graphic novel, right? Frank Miller kind of redefined the Batman. Like before that, it was like kind of campy. Like Adam West, you're thinking like this one, Batman Year One, we got to the darkness of the Batman, right? Gritty, very grounded, violent anger, detective right? He's a detective. And finally, the setting is like a noir type of setting. The darkness of the Batman is shown in Batman year one. You see the streets of Gotham, how bad they are, and Batman finally becoming the Batman. So that one's a true origin story post like death of the fan of his parents, how he becomes the Batman, a young or a young Batman, vengeful Batman. And this movie, the Batman, Robert Pattinson, will be just coming off of Batman year one. So that I think is the number one thing to watch before seeing this one. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, it acts as a, a prequel to the movie we're about right. to see. And I've been watching a lot of interviews with these actors, all right, whether it be Zoe Kravitz, Robert Pattinson, Jeffrey Wright, Paul Dano, all right, uh, Colin Farrell. I know Zoe Kravitz has said this is a heavy and this has an heavy influence on Matt Reeves and his rendition of this Batman. It's a, a, a foundation for a year two Batman, which we're going to see on screen. But I think it also like something I've seen, they've released, I think, two clips from the Batman other than the trailers. One was the funeral scene, right, where there is obviously a high profile person that is killed and makes one kid an orphan that Bruce Wayne kind of connects with. But also a second clip uh, premiered on Jimmy Kimmel a few nights ago. Yes. And it's where Robert Pattinson is communicating with uh, Commissioner Gordon. He's not commissioner yet, but uh, I think he's Captain Gordon at this time. But he is basically uh, working with him, talking about these corrupt cops that are in the police department working in or with, I would say, either Carmine Falcone or the Penguin, who is a drug kingpin in this style of Batman movie. So what I'm saying, Batman year one, it establishes the relationship and the close relationship between Batman and Commissioner Gordon. Because you could argue the main character in Batman year one is actually Commissioner Gordon and not Bruce Wayne. Mm. So, I mean, 
it's a great idea to uh, watch this film, but I would also recommend reading the graphic novel if you have it, if, we're, if I have any it's nerds quick. out there. It's, it's very quick read, but also it gives you the background on Jeffrey Wright's character a little bit. And it seems like we're going to have one, a, a Commissioner Gordon that's going to be uh, heavy on the ground. Right on the streets of the crime of Gotham, working closely with the Batman. I think the year one establishes that relationship. So uh, great pick, Ricky Fox. Great start. I love that we started with Batman animation. The proper start. And I'm going to continue with it with my pick. I'm going to go Batman The Long Halloween as my next pick for must watch. Uh, both of these films are on HBO Max. I think we got to preface with that. Uh, in terms of the long Halloween, I think it fits that we're doing the second one. Or like, if you're not like a big DC animation person, first of all, shame on you. Uh, so I would say that the long Halloween acts as a quasi sequel to Batman year one. People typically, if you read the graphic novels, Batman year one, the next one they read is Batman, the long Halloween. That's long accepted to be like either, either the first or second, probably second best Batman graphic novel behind the dark Knight returns. So long Halloween, this is where Batman, he's kind of figuring out he can't just pulverize criminals. There's even a line in the comic book and in the animated movie where Batman says, I have to figure out how to become a detective. It's not a just a, you can't defeat these criminals and cleanse Gotham just by beating the ever loving crap out of people. Well, that's just not how it's going to work. Okay. That's not the way to fully intimidate. You also have to get your boots on the ground detective work, working with Commissioner Gordon, whatever uh, Gordon's uh, title is at the time, and seeing, right, the full slate. And obviously with a person that's a nonviolent, like a Riddler, uh, The Long Halloween, I think, is a perfect setup there. There's a lot of villains involved. Carmine Falcone, who was played by John Turturro, has a central part in that story, too. I feel like these two are the best animated movies to watch, Ricky Flips. Definitely, and you, these two are, like, the most grounded batman movies i would say like the most animated real movies. yeah animated um like it's as realistic as you can get to like non-superhero like real life but still having those super superhero elements of just like yeah this would never happen but it's like this could happen like you could see it happen and that's similar to what the batman's going to be coming out uh, with robert pattinson it's like a serial killer more so like not like a the, not like the Jim Carrey's Riddler, you know, that's like flashy. Like, no, like he has duct tape on his face and he's a freaking weirdo. Like, yeah, that's more realistic for a serial killer. Or what Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms, I like the part where you said it's like more grounded as an animated movie because that's really hard to find. Like Batman Year One is probably the most grounded you're going to find for a Batman story. Batman The Long Halloween, you still have some of these characters that are in the movie that kind of a, uh, they aren't as grounded, but Batman still in the way he acts, the way his detective work is very much relatable to the, the movie we're about to see. Because you still have like people like the Joker making appearances, Mad Hatter, Poison Ivy. Like it's a very long story. But I, I'm what I'm also really interested from the long Halloween being implemented into the Batman is Batman's relationship, or I should say Bruce Wayne's relationship to Carmine Falcone. Falcone in the long Halloween has a strong connection with the Wayne family. They together, the Falcones and the Waynes help start like Gotham City Hospital. Right? They do a lot of charitable work together. And they, uh, Falcone looks at Bruce Wayne as like a son he never had. And that's like a direct quote from the movie and from the comic. So it's like having him 
in this movie, John Turturro, is he going to be looking at Bruce Wayne the same way? I've seen one still of them together, right? So it's going to be, we haven't seen much of John Turturro. I think we've got one line in like three trailers or maybe it was even outside the trailers. It was like a TV spot. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering to see what that relationship is going to be like, but that's yeah. what I have. Long Halloween is my second movie. Um, Ricky Flex, let's get with a third, not, a third uh, movie to help prepare us for the Batman. Okay, I'm gonna go next. Non Batman. Let's let's uh let's acquit ourselves with our star Robert Pattinson. Ooh. Okay, let's get more familiar because he is a long, long, long way away from Twilight, and people need to get that through their heads. Okay, so I'll pick a movie where I think was like the stamp of he's back, but I know some people might disagree. Um, I'll pick Good Time here. Good time, Safdie Brothers film, and is one where Matt Reeves was looking at the time for who to play his Batman. He needed a younger Batman. This is post Batflick. And he saw like the inner rage of Pattinson in that movie. And he said, That's my guy. And he went out and got him. So I think that's the one to watch if the director of the Batman says that's the one that got him, then we should watch that. So that would be like the first, like the, if I had to pick any Pattinson role to watch before the Batman, I'm going to pick good time because the director told me to. I couldn't agree more. If I had to pick one Pattinson movie to show before you watch the Batman, it's got to be good time. A lot of people, the ones that question it, like even after all these trailers and clips that have come out, whether he could has the chops to play Batman, they've never seen good time because good time is the separation, right? This hard, this like, uh, I don't even know. It's like this gritty, but also like this criminal that he plays that he thinks he's morally correct, even though he's not. He's like very uh, open minded, but at the same time, he's just like evilish by his yes. actions. It's, it's, it's very interesting. But this is where he separates his uh, first career with his second career. It's really broken up into two parts. He goes from teen heartthrob, takes a break. He does some supporting roles. Lost City of Z, okay, he's in that movie. He does some very, very small, small titular roles. Uh, but then here comes Good Time with the Safdie brothers. Like It's almost like a coming out party for both Pattinson and the Safdies. Uh, I, I think it's for those people who don't think he can get the job done. If you watch this movie, you will change your mind. So I think this is a great pick. Great, great mm-hmm. pick. Shows his chops, how he can carry a movie. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, and you said it too, like he's in other movies as well um that are great too i don't know if you're gonna pick one or not but like this is the one i thought but i could have picked a bunch of other patents and movies and say like hey watch this and to prove that he is worthy of being the batman right and i like i do also want to comment to show how if you listen to interviews listen to the way robert pattinson speaks right heavy british accent okay very lackadaisical but then you watch you're like, wow, I don't even believe that's the same person with that New York, almost like a, like a, a different sect of a, like a New York accent. It's very unique. And hear him speak in that way. You're like, wow, this guy is a master at these accents. And you can also look at a movie that's not going to make our list, but The King with Timothy Chalamet as a star. You see him as the Dauphine of France, the way he speaks there. Like he has such a range with his voice. You start we to talk about devil all the time. The devil all the time is also a great example. It just shows you right? The, the range of his voice and how you could see him bringing something new to the Batman voice that won't be as agitating as it was for like a Christian Bale when he's speaking. 
Delusions. <laughs> Delusions. He he just he's as great of an actor with his voice as, as I think anyone I've ever heard. He, that's I think that's very sincere. I was so uh, last night I was hyping up so I was talking to somebody that has not seen the Batman trailers but knew that the Batman was coming out and was going to see it no matter because it's the Batman, right? And they were questioning patents and I was like you haven't seen anything. That's and, a lot of people. A lot of people is qu- still questioning. And even after these trailers that have been seen millions and millions of times, people are still questioning it. And it's just like, this might be the best actor in the game right now. Like, as in, he's on such a hot trend. Every movie he's in, he kills. Yeah. He doesn't and miss now. He just doesn't. So he could be like the hottest actor right now. Like, if, if doing the his Batman, best. If the Batman makes a billion dollars, critically is a smash, he might catapult to the number one most uh, sought after actor in Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, completely agree. Completely agree. Like ahead of like even Leo, like Pattinson is the guy. This is going to be telling. If this is a critical success, he might be the number one guy. And people just can't get that through their heads. He's going to be with Bong Joon-ho in an upcoming movie, right? Guy is one of the hottest like directors in the streets right now. That is like his career is basically limitless once this movie comes out. Limitless. But with that being said, let's get to my nomination, my uh. My recommendation, my fourth, our fourth one here. I'm going to go with a focus on a character that is heavily inspiring uh, to, or inspirational, I should say, to Paul Dano's Riddler. One that, uh, through the character design, is very uh, similar to something we've seen actually in real life. In a movie that, uh, in the movie, uh, it was adapted by David Fincher. Sorry, it's kind of hard for me to speak right now for some reason. But Zodiac, Zodiac is going to be my fourth recommendation here. The character design of the Riddler, a modern take on it where you don't have the Jim Carrey zaniness, one that where it's believable serial killer. We talked about how serial killers are hot in the streets earlier on in this episode, but I think it's a great way to get inside the mind of the Riddler. Okay. With a very modernized take. Uh, Yeah. So I, I just think it's perfect that we have Paul Dano playing this role. It's not a physical role. You see Paul Dano himself. He's he's just nominated into the Plump Boy Academy by us, right? Where he's not exactly in the best shape. He's got a very doughy face. He's not someone you really assume to be a Batman villain. He's not like a Bane where you see like a uh, just another intimidating force. It's just more of his mind that is a threat and his relationship to Bruce Wayne. And he's got some internal demons, obviously. So I think Zodiac's a great way to prepare you for the Batman. Yeah. And we didn't mention good times on Hulu Um, and Zodiac usually on Netflix, but I just Googled it. I don't know if it's currently not on. I I looked yesterday. That's insane. How it's, this is one of the best movies in the 21st century and it's not streaming right now. That's insane. But um, unbelievable pick. Uh, I think this is perfect. Like you, I think you said it, but I guess I'll just combine my fifth pick or like the, the, our fifth movie, just because it kind of transitions Okay. Because you were talking about like the mind of a serial killer and things like that. But how about we get a look at our serial killer in this movie, Paul Dano, and what he kind of looks like in the trail second trailer, like what he kind of looks like. He kind of looks like what he was in prisoners. Ooh, so this is a double up on Dano. The double up on Dano. I think prisoners in itself a great detective story as, as well. And gets you in that gets you in that mindset. So on its own, that's a great precursor to watch before the Batman, a detective like a detective movie. But you get to see Paul Dano looks very simple with the glasses, very 
not innocent looking, but I guess innocent looking, like when he's harmless. in the cafe. Harmless, harmless. Thank you. Harmless. But he's not. You know, you're, he's you're not sketched going to out by him. You think yes. like he's capable of doing some evil things, or you kind of question what he's doing when he's in the confines of his own home. But also, I do want to mention quickly before I go on to prisoners, like Zodiac, directed by David Fincher. What's the the setting connections that people make mm. to Matt Reese's Batman Seven? directed by david fincher so it's like seeing the characters he's building in these dark worlds that he creates it's going to be fascinating now we put like a dark world that's created from prisoners by denny villeneuve and see what paul Tano dano did put him in a setting just like a fincher movie and see let him let him cook just see what he can create yeah and also i will say about prisoners like the anger of hugh jackman's character in that you're going to see in the Batman too. Ooh, but we'll make a, so many connections right now. But <laughs> it's insane. Like hella connections. How crazy Hugh Jackman was. And you think he was crazy. Now we're talking about the Batman post year one, like the most revenge, like filled person in the world. Like insane. So I, I think that's, that's all I could say really right, right now about prisoners and Batman connection, but there's plenty there. So that's five movies on our list right now, all right? Between two animated Batman movies, we got the Robert Pattinson focus, Good Time, and then we have Zodiac, okay? It's inspiring the killer of the Batman with Paul Dano and Paul Dano's performance also in Prisoners, right? He's very good at playing these, as we said before, non-physically intimidating, but someone that creeps you out, just creeps you out flat out. Uh, so I'm gonna get, uh, get going with our sixth recommendation, And I'm going to go to one of the inspirations that Matt Reeves has pointed to continuously during his interviews, even uh, prior to, like, I think it was after the first trailer, he said, what was a heavy inspiration? Some noir style movies, 70s style. I'm going to go with the French connection as another movie to help prepare you for the Batman. So this is going to be one. If we have like uh, young listeners, this is a 1970s film. All right. Starring Gene Hackman. And Roy Scheider, all right. If you guys have ever, uh, if you guys have seen uh, Jaws. Jaws, Jaws, I think is the familiarity you would have there. You got nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this movie. Gene Hackman is on another level in this movie. But why do I nominate The French Connection? Well, it's not just because Matt Reeves said it's a heavy inspiration. It's like these street grounded stories of crime, detective tales. Uh, it's almost like it's a story of if Batman wasn't involved and it was just the Gotham City Police Department working on a drug case. Yeah, that's, that's like kind of how I would describe this movie. Uh, obviously, it has the amazing car chase sequence, which is more of just the car chasing a train. But what has me so excited as I watched this past movie uh, this weekend, I thought of like the shots that we had in the trailer, the camera inside the car during the car chase between the Batman and the penguin. Could we get something that almost has a similar vibe to it and energy that hat of the, that of the French connection. I think that the, like I think Reeves is talking about the camera placement inside the car on top of the car. He said that that scene in the trailer where that car is flying through the flames actually happened that's a practical effect wow it was not cgi incredible Um, then going on with the french connection the way the cops interact with one another that's like how i dream the gotham city police department like interacts i know we're getting a gotham city like series that's like gonna be like a year one of the batman who knows that batman will actually show up but the way they like bust each other's balls and they're on top of one one of one another there's like corruption you don't know if the feds are going to get involved like i kind of dream of that in this atmosphere of 
Gotham City. That's not supposed to be really familiar to any type of city in the United States. So French Connection, mainly for the Batman, like uh, the Batmobile car chase scenes, but also for those street grounded crime stories. Yeah, I think so. This is 71, right? Best picture in 72 over a clockwork orange, I believe. I think that's right. Both came out 71, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So yes, it's older movie, but get over it. It's really good. I just watched it last weekend, uh, not because of this pod, but just because I wanted to rewatch it and it still hits hard. And I think so good. And I like you picked this movie. There's a couple other movies in the seventies that you could have picked as well. I think, um, I think that they're all, all the seventies movies that we could have picked in, in this are all around our main protagonist. He's a good guy, but at the end of the day, he's not like he is. He's morally questionable. And that, that's the Batman. And so, like, I was going to say French connection with Gene Hackman, like the ending of that movie, he is so hell bent on yeah. tracking down these criminals that it ends up being, it does him in, you know, mm-hmm. and that could be, a situation we see here where Batman is so obsessed with taking down the Riddler, cleansing Gotham, that it actually puts himself in harm and actually is, um, I guess, detracting from like his actual goal of cleansing the God of cleansing Gotham. Yes. Uh, so, uh, do you have anything else to add? Or do you want to jump to your uh, next nomination because you said you mentioned a couple other 70s films? Yeah, I guess real quick, I'll just mention another one, uh, Taxi Driver. Because that just kind of okay, connects explain. here. And I think that you there's like a look, like in the trailer, there's like a frame that looks like Taxi Driver. And I think that's been going around social media when the trailer dropped. And Frank Miller in uh, year one also like had a, like was inspired by Taxi Driver as well. And had images similar to it. And really drew on that inspiration from that movie. So I think, hey, director will be the same theme that we saw from good time here that i said where the director saying it or frank miller saying it relates to the movie literally direct like insp- inspiration so let's watch it so it's that but also it's again the morally questionable this guy out to do good but he's not a good person like he's a good guy but he's not really you know right he, he and that's a great point because de niro in that movie acts as a vigilante himself Mm-hmm. with Jodie Foster's characters. That's a great connection. And when you think of like gritty um, city tales, I mean, the first movie that should come to your mind is Taxi Driver. That's just how it works. All right. So I think that's an excellent pick. And should I just keep rolling with these like uh, old school type films that maybe we should catch up on? That, yeah, do whatever. So I'm going to go with Chinatown that also, so I know French connection in Chinatown um, Matt Reeves has mentioned as heavy inspirations for his film, but we're going to explain why you need to watch it. First off, Chinatown might be the excellent example of a noir thriller that Reeves is going for in this Batman detective style story. This is something that we have not seen out of most Batman movies that have come out. I know some we've had somewhat Christian Bale trying to be a detective. You know, you see the tools he's using, but it seems like this one, it's a, the technology is not going to be as advanced, right? It seems it's going to be a lot of workings with Commissioner Gordon and the Gotham City Police Department, okay? Uh, Chinatown has a very much noir thriller vibe set in LA, major city. But the big thing here, it deals with corruption, okay? And that's going to be a central part of this movie, whether the Waynes are actually a part of this corrupt 
evilness that is spreading throughout Gotham City or whether they knew about it, didn't say anything, but also what is driving the Riddler during the situation. Uh, and he's obviously upset with the city and the Waynes himself. And then we also had the clip of Batman talking with Commissioner Gordon, saying he doesn't trust this person in the department. You saw this interactions with another person, uh, well, interaction, excuse me, with either the Penguin or Carmine Balcone at the Iceberg Lounge. It just tells you there's a lot of like evilness within the Gotham City Police Department. And it shows like Chinatown, you have a lot of like upper level like citizens or like uh, political representatives that are or famous people that are in cahoots, right? Uh, basically trying to take advantage of the society they live in and also hurt others. So thoughts on Chinatown? I think you nailed it. I think Chinatown, I just rewatched that yesterday, actually. Still, again, it's an older movie but get over it. Like that hits so hard. It is so good. Jack Nicholson in it, like that Jake Gates or Gates, whatever. Gates. Unbelievable in it. He is awesome. And like Chinatown is just everything you should, if you haven't seen Chinatown, like that should be on your first list of priorities to do. Chinatown's an unbelievable movie. Um, Polanski. I know issues with Polanski, but he is, he, this is like amazing. His Mona Lisa. This is a masterpiece, but I I do want to say um, in terms of like you talk about the performance of Nicholson as uh, Gettys there as Jake, I think there's some similarities. I know we talked over the phone last night about this Ricky flex, but I think there's some similarities between the arc of his character and the potential arc for uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman or Bruce Wayne. They're both protagonists whose actions at first are kind of selfish right? Batman's pulverizing these criminals. They don't really respect him, but he's doing it because he's upset about his parents. He's upset about the way Gotham City is. You have Jake Geddes. He's doing this, these things. He's spying on other people, doing detective work. He's saying it's for the moral good, but it's really just to make as much money as possible. But in Chinatown, as the story goes on, he's now doing it for the greater good, and he's looking to help other people. And then you have Batman who notices that he can find other ways to actually help Gotham rather than just cleanse himself, right? And have- make himself feel good by taking on these bad guys, winning these like one-on-one fisticuff battles instead what's best for the greater good. All right. And we could have like Chinatown, the ending does not pay off. No, the ending does not pay off. It just shows you how evil the world truly is. And it makes me hyped to see how is this ending of the movie going to be? Is it going to end in a way that's positive for our hero? Is it going to leave on kind of a cliffhanger a la the dark night, or is it just going to be flat out, it doesn't work and leads into the next movie, you know? So it just has me excited. Just when you compare those two characters, they look so different. They're different. Like this, a superhero movie versus like a detective noir drama. And obviously like, it's not that the content of Chinatown, not too exciting. It's about like freaking water for the most part, you know, and they somehow still make it highly entertaining. Great watch. Get on top of it. Yeah. It's great watch. And again, like it's in LA, right? It's not like a dark, or like it's not like taxi driver where you're gonna be in that that element that dark neo noir like streets in New York like the gr- like gritty grunge feel to it, but it's still overall very similar. To, and you you pointed out to the analogies there between the two characters, the protagonist there. So I think you summed it up perfectly. So Ricky Flex, yes, kick us off with your ninth recommendation. So this is my last like pick, right? Like we're doing ten. Yep. Okay, I wanted to make sure I get this in here because I think our eight are much more important to this, are are important. But let's say you're strapped for time or you've already seen all eight of these movies. 
I'm going off the beaten path here. I'm picking, I have a guess. Oh. I have a guess, but I'm gonna. I'm not gonna guess it. I'm just. I'm just gonna keep it in my head, and I'll say if it's right. I don't think you you can guess it because it's not even a movie. <laughs> okay. Nirvana I, music videos. Okay, I had something similar, Ricky Flex. I had something very similar. I was gonna do the live MTV Unplugged of Nirvana. Okay. Or I was gonna say, listen to the album, Never Mind, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so when he was writing, like Matt Reeves was writing this, like he was listening to Nirvana and Never Mind, and he keeps making the connections to Bruce Wayne, and he has said. Is he like a drug addict? Like the way he looks and acts, like how he's so weird, right? And you see that in the trailer and how possessed he is. And he was saying like he's kind of a drug addict because he's addicted to revenge. And he really was thinking of Kurt Cobain here. So I think if we just dive into, like you heard um in the first trailer. Something, something in the way. In the way. That was in the first trailer. I think from the inspiration from Nirvana, it's just good if you don't, if you have a quick few minutes, just watch some music videos or what MTV Unplugged there. That's a lot. And you've already seen these movies that we've listed off. That's a good, like, hey, let me get into the mind. Let, let me see Kurt Cobain before I see Robert Pattinson's take on this. Maybe get my mind right. Listen to some Nirvana, watch some music videos. See where that inspiration truly came from. Cause it was obvious that everyone was kind of shocked when that first trailer come out, came out, but it's not just by like the look of the Batman and the world that was set. It was the song. Everything was set to, and I'm excited to hear the score from Michael Giacchino, but also this music, like, can you imagine if we got a smells like teen spirit moment where like bat, bat batons is just beating the crap out of like a bunch of thugs from the penguin. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. It would be so good. It would be incredible, but I had something similar. So I'm glad we were on the same page there. I, I thought you were initially, this was, that was not my guess though. I thought you were going to pick out um, the Batman, the animated series episode where he goes like, I am the knight. Yeah. I, th I thought that was going to be the one that you were going to do. Yeah. That's John's a good one. From. Oh my so, like, god. That's that not gonna one. be my final pick, though. That's okay. not my final recommendation. But the I am the knight, like I am vengeance, like I'm Batman. Like it just it's seeing, I mean, the Batman animated series also is close work with uh Commissioner Gordon, a lot of detective work compared to like some of the movies we've seen. So that I think could actually work. But I think the 10th is really obvious. It'd be terrible for us to not include the Dark Knight. This is the movie that is going to be compared to the Batman. The Dark Knight is looked at as the quintessential Batman movie, the quintessential uh, superhero movie, but also the best, the most grounded superhero movie we've ever gotten with a villain grounded as in the Joker taking on the stance of like terrorism that was very popular back in 2008 in terms of like, like current events, things that were happening, thing, how to handle it. The Dark Knight. Uh, so in the Batman, obviously, we got Paul Dano coming as the Riddler, serial killer. All right. Very uh, not as relevant, I would say, as like the uh, 
the events leading up to the Dark Knight, but still that grounded take. Can it be the quintessential Batman movie? This is the one that uh, Reeves' movie is going to be compared to consistently. Yeah, most definitely. I was just the same person last night. I was saying Dark Knight, you could say it's not even a superhero movie. And that's what you're saying about this one as well. Like that Dark Knight, crime, organized crime, drama, action. Like a lot of it, like there's not superhero, like uh, supernatural abilities. It's just all real, like uh, just humans, right? Right. But obviously they have the super elements with like the Joker and Cape's vigilantes, right? Like that's not realistic, but that's what we're going to get here in the Batman. And yes, this is the one it's going to be compared to the hype. We're doing it's two weeks away and we're doing this like movies to watch before you watch a movie. The hype is right. Un, is I don't know. How, unmatched. Uh, yeah. Unmatched. unmatched. So you got to watch this one and rewatch it. And I think it's this one's on HBO Max. I think it's still on Netflix, actually, too. Batman but, Begins um, also on there and Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So Chinatown's on HBO Max. Ta- Taxi Driver's on Netflix. I know we forgot to mention those as well. But um, Pris- Prisoner's still on Hulu? Yes. And same okay. with French Connection. But all in all, like I think our 10 here is actually like really That's good. That's a sick list. Yeah. That's a sick very list. Very good list. Um, uh, I'll read them out in a second. But uh, I just I, I do have a couple uh, nominees here or that just missed the honorable list, mentions here. honorable mentions, ones that you still can watch. Let's say you rip through these first uh, 10 films and you still have some time before the Batman comes out. One, Zoe Kravitz, you talked about analyzing Paul Dano's character and him as an actor through uh, obviously prisoners. And we also talked about Zodiac for the character he's playing. We talked about Pattinson in good time. You want to look at Zoe Kravitz. She just had a movie that released that released on HBO Max, a thriller known as uh, Kimmy, where she plays the titular role. And apparently she has a jaw-dropping performance. I'll have to check that out. Maybe we'll bring it up on the drive-in pod next week to prepare. And I also had any type of Alfred Hitchcock film, preferably Vertigo, just because Matt Reeves has said the camera work in those movies, the Hitchcock films, along with Martin Scorsese, is said to have had a major influence on him while making this movie, whether it's like the grappling gun where Batman is shooting up into the sky, like the gun, like there's a camera on the gun as he's going up and you're getting these like unique camera angles. And also obviously a Hitchcock film captures like the horror slash thriller aspect. And it seems like we're getting a, a Batman film that is leading into the horror and thriller aspect more so than any other film we've seen from the character. Yeah. Yeah. I think you nailed it there. Um, some honorable mentions for me. Um, if you want to watch a different Robert Pattinson movie, the lighthouse, that's an obvious one. Um, if you want to watch more Paul Dano, Eli Sunday, there will be blood. Oh yeah. Like just shows how good he is. He can go toe to toe with any actor, Dana day Lewis, this one, Robert Pattinson. Um, let's see. If you want to watch more Matt Reeves movies like Cloverfield or Dawn and uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or War of the Planet of the Apes, just a couple other Reeves films to watch. And finally, I kind of like want to watch revenge action movies. People like out for revenge, solo, right? So what do I, what do you think of when you think of that? Drive a little bit. Ooh, drive's not bad. That would be a good one to make the list. I'm thinking John Wick, Crime Streets. And John Wick, that club scene, similar to the Batman club scene here. So I think that might have been good, too. Um, and then, like, I don't know, Taken. 
<laughs> take in a memento that you know, good the mystery detective work noir story yeah exactly uh if you want to go cor- uh, gotham pd corruption la confidential Ooh, that would have been a great pick that la confidential let's add that as honorable mention like number 11 yeah and uh blade runner 2049 i thought the futuristic elements no but it's still like noir detective story and modern modern uh, so our ten, 10 films to prepare you for the Batman. Here's our official list. We have Batman Year One, the animated Batman film currently on HBO Max. We have Batman, The Long Halloween, also available on HBO Max, a two-part movie. Next, we have A Good Time on Netflix, starring Robert Pattinson, directed by the Safdie brothers. We have Zodiac, that's currently not streaming on Netflix, was current was on there previously, directed by David Fincher on The Zodiac Killer, heavily heavily inspiring this Riddler rendition. Next, we have Prisoners. That's currently on Hulu, directed by Denis Villeneuve, starring also Paul Dano. Next, we have The French Connection, also on Hulu, Noir Story, starring Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider. Next, we have Taxi Driver, starring Robert De Niro, directed by Martin Scorsese on Netflix. Then we have Chinatown, yet another 70s film, three in a row. That's on HBO Max, uh, star, uh, directed by Roman Polanski, starring Faye Dunaway, and Jack Nicholson. Next, we had Nirvana music videos currently on YouTube. If you can check out any of them or you listen to the album, never mind. You're going to be in a good spot to understand Pattinson's Batman. And then finally, Christopher Reeves directed The Dark Knight that's currently on HBO Max along with the rest of the Dark Knight trilogy. That's going to do it for our 10 films to prepare you for the Batman. Ricky Flicks, any other notable uh, comments before we end this episode? No, I, I'm going to jump in and watch a few of these right now. <laughs> I I love these movies. These movies are awesome. I think I, it's a lot of uh, like chalk, I guess, like as in like, oh, these are some of the best movies of all time. But it's like the, the hype for this movie is uh, for the Batman is unprecedented. So it goes along with these. Yes. Like the, all this, these movies are just bangers on bangers. <laughs> Every yeah. single one. Yeah. The animated ones like probably aren't as widely seen, but they're still very good. Every other movie here is like a must watch, even if you're not getting ready for the Batman. So I highly recommend it. And then Nirvana music videos. If you like good music, check it out. Hmm. So that's going to do it for episode 77 of the drive-in podcast. We want to thank the listeners, right. For tuning in. We also want to make sure you're subscribed to the SoundCloud or the Spotify or Apple music, wherever you consume our podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review, and then I will share it if it's a fire review. Along with that, make sure they're following us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at the drive-in pod. And then finally, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube fire content. Today's recommendations will definitely, definitely be on YouTube. And I'll even say it now, along with our review of the Elvis trailer that popped up this past week, right? In our full breakdown. So, That's going to do it for episode 77. Until next time, we will smell you.